The views and opinions expressed during I and the Triangle do not represent WKNC or the student media. Your dial is currently tuned to I and the Triangle at WKNC 88.1. Thanks for listening. I'm Aaron Kling, WKNC, 88.1's I Am The Triangle, and tonight I'm speaking with James Trittner, the creator of the Fort Lowell Records label. Hey James, how you doing? Good, good. How are you doing today, Aaron? Great to have you on air. So, we brought you on tonight to talk about your new album, Grow. Would you mind giving us a rundown on what we can expect? Grow is really simply an indie rock compilation of artists. And, and what I mean with artists is not just musical artists, but literary artists, visual artists, of artists from the Wilmington, North Carolina area. We all wanted to come together and put a, a record together, this project together, to allow the talents of the artists to ultimately help out our local community with specifically just with the effects of racism that we're all seeing here in America currently. I mean, obviously that's been going on for you know, many years as we all know, but with current events, it's a project we as a community kind of came together with basically friends to be truthful with you. These are all friends of ours that kind of came together saying, look, we want to do something, let's put something together. It's a record, you know, we're all fans of music, especially those listening to the radio station, I'm assuming the fans of music there. And the idea is, you know, we just want to utilize this record to grow uh, basically resources for our local New Hanover County NAACP chapter for financial resources is what it is, to help them with what they're doing in the community, eliminating racism. Probably the more notable names, as far as from a music side of things, the Love Language, they're from the Triangle area, the Rosebuds at one point were there in the Triangle area. Uh, both artists, some people may not know that they established themselves, they started down here in Wilmington. They've got Wilmington roots, which is really kind of cool. And so Tracy Shedd is a team beat artist, uh, now living in Wilmington. And so she's got a song on here. Some of our favorite local bands, and again, just even friends like current bands, team players on here, Pinky Verde, really love what Heather's doing. Kicking Bird is a super awesome surf rock kind of band. There's a couple of older bands, might say some of them really aren't even around anymore. One, for example, the Majestic 12. There used to be a music festival down here in Wilmington back in the 90s and early 2000s called the Wee Fest. And in fact, when I was living in Jacksonville, Florida, when I was younger and getting in started with music, I remember learning about the Wee Fest on MTV. So I was a kid growing up in Florida seeing Wilmington on MTV for this festival called the Wee Fest. Well, the gentleman who's responsible for that, Kenyatta Sullivan, he's now a good friend of mine for all these years. He has an old band called the Majestic 12 that he's got a track on here. And so for me, that's kind of a real personal interest to help a friend like that. It's a song that was recorded, I think, almost 10 years ago, you know, See the Light of Day. Life of Saturdays, people in the Raleigh area probably know Jesse, who owns Edge of Urge. She's got a band that she was in life of saturdays that this other gentleman john jeremiah sullivan he's a writer for the new york times magazine but anyhow i discovered them through friends another friend of mine brian weeks he's in a band de la noche he was also a member of the rosebuds for a little bit of time another project on here called somerset that again it's an older band out of wilmington that used to do some touring with the rosebuds back in the day brian had introduced me to Life of Saturdays, and I fell in love with their album. Just as a fan of music, I went to Gravity Records here in Wilmington and bought the record immediately and just fell in love and realized that nobody in the town knew who they were. And so when Brian Weeks and I were talking about Somerset being on the record and being on Grow, we were discussing other bands, friends, and that's where we got introduced with Life of Saturdays, which really, really worked out to be a huge bonus so I talked about Grow being a compilation of artists, and that's an important thing for me. As a fan of music, I really love albums, and I love all the aspects of an album, not just the music that's on there. I, I, the art, the cover art to me is huge. That's such a big deal to be on there. Liner notes. I love sitting back, you know, listening to a record, pulling out the liner notes and reading 
whatever it is that artist felt that I needed to read while listening to their music. For, you know, taking a Bell and Sebastian record, I mean, they're literally like short stories in there at times that they're just really, it's a neat perspective to kind of take on listening to music to have this sort of literary aspect that complements the music in some ways. So with Life of Saturdays, we were introduced to this really important project that's happening here in Wilmington called Third Person Project. And it's actually in line with UNC up there in the Chapel Hill area, where basically John Jeremiah Sullivan, who's he's one of the members of Life of Saturdays, again, he's the writer from the New York Times Magazine. He and other literary professionals here in Wilmington and historians have created this thing called Third Person Project, where they are restoring the Daily Record newspaper that was burnt down during the 1898 massacre. That's the Black-owned paper that's the subject of that horrific event. So the newspaper itself obviously was demolished and the archives gone from what was there in the building. But what they're doing is they're going out through the community and finding people that have old copies of these and they're digitizing it and they're finding ways to restore it as best as they can, which is an extremely important thing to do, of course. So what we've done is we actually gave them the platform of the liner notes of the album, where I stress like Grow is not just about a compilation of music. It's really a compilation of all sorts of artists and different efforts doing our part to educate not just our community, but the world really what happened here in Wilmington, educate them on what our community in Wilmington is capable of doing with growing forward. That's the name, right? I don't really want to give away what's inside the record completely because it's really kind of a unique surprise what's in there for them. We've got a debut from a band, Neon Belly. They're a brand new band. No one's even heard of them. No one even knows who's in the band. <laughs> They're a brand new band here in Wilmington, but it, it's one of my close friends in town. There's a gentleman, James Williams, who actually was a teacher here in the community college in Wilmington, CFCC. He's represented by a local gallery, New Elements Gallery, which is one of our sponsors. He's responsible for the cover art, KTVM, Trevor Van Meter. He's a local illustrator. He has his own retail outlet in town. And he's kind of been here since June of 2018. And been a predominant figure in the community when Wilmington was hit with Florence. Hey TVM kind of came on board and gave us this beautiful logo to really inspire everybody in the town to be overflow. That was the term. And he's had a very strong visual presence in our community. And so he's got some elements built in there on top of the fact that he actually named the record for us. And again, like I mentioned, we use a friend, so we were talking and telling him what I wanted to do with this. And he gave us that title, Grow, and, and I'm extremely thankful for that. Um, Chet Childers, local, uh, he's a local professional skater. I really admire him. A lot of people know him up and down the East Coast, if not really all over the world, but a lot of people don't realize that his home's here in Wilmington, North Carolina. And he's a really cool illustrator. So he's got a piece actually on the vinyl record. This is kind of an example where I've mentioned that I have a great respect for all the elements of a record. And one of the things that's been predominant with Fort Lowell Records since 2010 is when our first release came out, is I've always given the B-side of the vinyl record itself, that center label on the B-side of the record, I've always given that to an artist friend of mine to allow them a place to get their art visible in front of new people that may not know who they are. Chet has got that, and I'm really excited about his piece that he's contributed to it. So we're working with Dreams of Wilmington. Dreams of Wilmington is an after-school program for children in the community that they're not being taught art in school, right? So there's a nonprofit community organization here called Dreams that has put together an after-school program to teach children between poetry, drawing. I think they have a recording studio, if I understand correctly. I mean, film, any kind of art you can imagine program come together to give them that opportunity. So one of our sponsors, Art in Bloom Gallery, part of their contribution was that they brought on Dreams as a contributor. And so what we did with the liner notes is that third person project has one side of it where Dreams, the children of Dreams actually utilize the other part of the liner notes. And there's absolutely wonderful poem that was written by a young lady from the Dreams program and then a couple of other visual elements that some other children had contributed. So even that, think about back when you were a kid, you know, and if you were in the arts and doing something, imagine all of a sudden your art's gonna be printed on a thousand vinyl records and sent all over the world. And what a cool opportunity. What we simply did is, you know, we told them what we're doing and we wanted to give them a voice to basically just display and express their solidarity with Black Lives Matter and just this project in general. So I understand that every cent that you make on these albums on Grow 
is going directly to the New Hanover County NAACP? Yeah, actually, that's where this whole thing starts. We were just deeply moved with everything happening there, basically right with Memorial Day, George Floyd, and and everything that followed within those weeks following. We wanted to do something within our community that could help make a difference. We contemplated all possible options of various things that had been kind of coming to the forefront during those days that unfolded with day by day, what you get involved with. When we started Fort Lowell Records in Tucson, Arizona, we were fortunate to have an opportunity to be a part of a similar type of, I'll say, fundraiser. It was very specifically for the idea of a fundraiser. In Tucson in 2011, uh, there was a horrific shooting that involved Congresswoman Gabby Giffords. And so there was a project that we got brought into. It already had legs on it before Fort Lowell was involved. It ended up becoming a vinyl record, a compilation album, where we raised money for the families that were affected by that shooting. I'd spent those first couple of days there, right, getting into June, figure out, what do I have a capability of? And we all kept hearing this challenge of use your voice, stay in your lane. Anybody who's listening will remember that's what people kept saying, right? Do what you're capable of. And what I quickly remembered was just that, is like we raised a great amount of money in Tucson for those families. I mean, it was nearly like forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. And the truth of the matter is really Fort Lowell Records could be just simply called a hobby label. I mean, I'm not doing this at the level that I'm making my money on this. I mean, this really is just, I have a job where I'm paying my bills, if you will. I'm doing this because I love music. You know, I collect records myself. I love music. I love musicians and I love helping them get their music out across the world. That's really as simple as it is. And so for me, that's what I recognize is that that is my voice. I have an outlet already at my fingertips to do this. There's no, I don't have to create anything. It's already there. And so the truth of the matter is it was nine o'clock in the morning. The idea came to me. I remember doing Luz DeVito, the other project. And I was like, all right, we need to do this. This is what we're going to do. Aaron, I am absolutely not lying to you. When I tell you by two o'clock that afternoon, we had peerless mastering, a Grammy nominated mastering engineer out of Boston. And they say, yeah, I'll do the entire record for you. I will master it at no cost to you whatsoever. Right behind them, the next step is you got to get the vinyl record prepared now. So that is another mastering level. And there's a family, Golden, JJ Golden, he had been a friend of ours and a supporter of Fort Lowell for many years. I call him and immediately, same thing. James, I believe in this cause and I want to do something myself to help. We're just going to take care of it for you. So then the next person is that, all right, you got to get the stampers after you get the mastering done. Nipro Records does our stampers. Same thing. We want to do our part. We're not going to charge you. So we've been using indie printing down in Florida for years on this. And a fine gentleman, Walter Rossman, has been helping us for many years. What I got to share with everybody on this one is that Walter was literally on his deathbed. And unfortunately, Walter did pass away within these last few months. I spoke with Walter when he was in the hospital fighting cancer, telling me, I don't know if I'm going to make it to see this record come to light. But he's like, James, I've been working with you for years and I want to do this. I don't care what it takes. Don't worry about there being any cost to print the vinyl jackets or do the insert. We'll take care of everything for you. Call after call. And all of that took place between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. on one day in June just after basically George Floyd lost his life. That was when I knew it, that this record has to happen. This is my voice. This is literally what I can do. The fact that I can make those calls in five hours and get nearly $15,000 worth of donations without doing anything. I mean, I just made calls to people I've been working with for the last 20 years. I mean, that was where I knew like, okay, this is it. This is what I can do. And so that's how this happened. So then from there, we took some time that next week vetting out different organizations and kind of learning about what they stand behind, what they're doing. I mean, I blatantly asked the question of various organizations, if I were to give you a donation of $30,000 or more, how would that benefit my community? What does that do? And for me, that's kind of where the NAACP came in. And their answer, and this is where Ms. Maxwell, you know, when I got to speak with her on the phone, we, we spoke many times that week, I mean, almost every day for like five, seven days. And she just shared all sorts of different insight to the organization and such. What it really boiled down to is, and I've been using this verbiage to be very clear because I, I think their verbiage of their mission statement just explains everything. Our new Hanover County chapter of the NAACP, their mission is to ensure the political, educational, social, and economic equality 
of rights of all persons and to eliminate race-based discrimination. That's it. That's what was in my heart. It was like, I just want to do something to make these things happen in my community. And when I called every friend, every artist involved with it, that was what I presented. It was like, hey, I want to put this thing together. I want to do this. I need your help. I need your contributions. None of us are going to make any money. So every artist, if they didn't have the songs already done, like older artists, like I mentioned, they hit the studio. I mean, whether that had cost to them or not, it cost them their time. It cost them their emotion to create the song and write the song. Whatever the songs are about, it's definitely an investment that everyone made. The community's profiting from this. That's what you're doing this for. I made a point to decide to partner with the NAACP before working with the artists. So they knew exactly what this was for. They all understood this was in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. Your name is going to be associated with it. You know, so the idea was everyone understood 100% behind it. They all agree that, yeah, this is a great organization. Once I got to speaking about the project, even within my own personal work, and I started mentioning Ms. Maxwell's name and the NAACP here in Wilmington, I got to tell you, I probably had at least two dozen references for their organization, as well as very specifically for Ms. Maxwell just the sense of integrity and leadership that she brings not only to the local chapter but to our town our community here there were so many people that knew exactly who she is and they were very excited to know that this project was in line with that that was really the driving force was like oh you're working with Ms. maxwell i want to be a part of this what can i do <laughs> so so that was really nice to hear and receive and it just only solidified i really felt that all right we made the right decision with this what miss maxwell shared with me verbally on the phone when we spoke in our conversations and with what we really concluded with is that from their perspective this is going to help them strengthen the black vote whether it's this year whether it's in two years whether it's in four years it's going to give them working capital that they can put towards those efforts of getting voters that are going to get out to the polls and support those politicians that are in support of equality. That's what I mean by that. It's not specific to party. We're all just simply supporting fighting racism here. When I presented this to the NAACP, it was more of, hey, I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to basically give you a check at the end of the day with this. And the only, I guess, involvement really on their part was just answering that question of like, what are you doing with this? And you know, I wanted to make sure that was in line with my intent, vision behind the, the whole project. That's why I ended up establishing that partnership and that alignment with them specifically. I knew that music can make money. That is a fact. At the end of the day, it is an article that people buy. And I think a lot of listeners will probably agree, as of late, a lot of us are buying a lot of records. My wife will tell you that. <laughs> I think I bought more records this year than I've bought in any year in the last probably 10 years. I mean, it's just, you know, we're all stuck at home. What are we doing? Hey, records, it's a great way. Plus, we all want to support music. We want to support the arts. And unfortunately, artists aren't able to perform the way they were able to before. So buying records, once again, it's, people are not having a hard time buying records. So really, at the end of the day, that's all this is. This is a record that our record label is going to put out for artists that we believe in. These are friends of ours, and that's what we do with our record label. We put out records of friends, basically, people that we know. And so that's what this is. This is a compilation of people I've known through my life, people that I believe in. I love their art. We're all in line together with, with the current state. And I really believe this is a fantastic album that the public's going to enjoy listening to. This helps our community grow in a positive way. Fighting racism. That's the cool part of it all. I mean, just buy a record. You actually help somebody. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Mr. Tritton, you mentioned before that the shooting, the attack, it spurred you on to add your talents and, and abilities and resources to the fundraiser. What about in this case with Grow? What spurred you on here? I guess what I'm asking is why now? That feeling of just enough's enough. I mean, you're, you're right. It's a great question. Why now? Why not? Geez, I mean, months earlier. I think it's just seeing protesters out there. That's what their voice are, is to get out the street and get their voice heard. They have that energy to do, right? And it was just a matter of I wanted to do what I could do to support that same effort. For a moment there, I actually, I wanted to name the record Enough's Enough just because that's how I felt. I felt like screaming at the top of my lungs that enough is enough. Sure, it's probably likely motivated by the fact that I watched the video of George Floyd. I, 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 I remember I couldn't work that day. I don't know, whoever's listening, if they've watched it, I think they'd understand. Maybe that's where the answer lies of why now. If you've watched that video and you don't have an inkling in your body to want to do something, <laughs> Yeah. If you're a friend of mine, I don't want you to be a friend of mine. Let's say it that way. 
I think that's where it comes from. I was numb. That week was hard. My wife and I celebrated our 20th anniversary on June 1st, and we absolutely couldn't celebrate our 20th anniversary on June 1st. It wasn't possible. We were so numb to everything with what was happening. And more importantly, just so motivated that I got to do something about that. That's actually where things started going. We, in fact, where this kind of starts pre-grow coming on June 3rd, if you would, just two days later, is that we're musicians together and we write music and that's what we did. We went to the beats to celebrate and try to do something between the two of us and take a moment for ourselves to celebrate two decades together. And we immediately turned around and went back to our recording studio and started writing music. The point being is that that's where our mind went. I got to do something with this. And I knew that with Grow, in one way, providing this financial benefit, money can be a tool for an organization to use, and that's what it's providing them. But on the other side of it, music itself is extremely beneficial, just the spiritual nature of it. Whether an artist is going to speak directly to a very specific subject or not, it's all in the eyes of the beholder, right? It's all in the ears of the listener. So it doesn't really matter what the artist's intention is. Whoever's listening to that music, they become inspired by it to do something positive light. Well, that's all that really matters at the end of the day. And so that's what we felt. Our thought initially was, we're just going to go make some music. We got to do something to put some positive energy in this world. And then I'm very fortunate to two days later have this other idea to take it a couple of levels higher than just making a song, right? Let's do something more than that. I guess that's the answer as to why now. James, what does allyship mean to you? Support, I guess, is what comes to mind first. And it's more than just saying like, oh, yeah, I agree with this. What are your capabilities? What is your voice? I've had this conversation with friends or business partners through this project where I've expressed this as my voice. Because again, I've built this company. I have these capabilities as I've expressed. Not everyone has that, right? Their voice might simply be that you're going to talk to that family member you've had opposing views on for the last 10, 15 years or whatever, or lifetime for that matter. And you knew it all along and you know how they feel. And this is your moment you're going to go, I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to try to get them to possibly understand something a little different, right? Maybe that's your voice. Maybe your voice is that you're writing a poem or an article for a paper and expressing something there. Maybe your voice is that you're actually getting out into the community and doing something. I'm just a little old label. I don't even have a thousand followers on Instagram. <laughs> you know, I'm a tiny label with a tiny audience. But I'm privileged to have that audience. These people trust me to just simply give them good music. That's it. That's all they care about. People follow a record label for that reason. For me, what's different in this particular case, this is about humanity. This isn't a business thing. I'm a human. My listeners are humans. I'm speaking human to human. It's just that simple. This isn't political. This is just about people. It's about lives. I owe it to society to, to utilize this voice. That's the privileged part of it, right? It's not a perspective of being privileged because I'm white. The point of it is I'm privileged because I've established this entertainment business, right? And I've got this audience where people are listening to me. That's the part that as I recognize that, hey, I believe in this. I need to speak out upon it. And I need to do something with what my voice is. And my voice is Sully Records. You mentioned that you had a thousand followers on Instagram. Well, under a thousand. I'm wondering, does it really matter? as far as allyship and as far as having a voice to contribute, whether it's 10 or 20 or 100 or 1,000 or 100,000, is that necessarily important? No, you're right. No, it absolutely doesn't matter. And in fact, you really hit it on the head. What's so powerful about Grow? The idea of the collaboration between all these people, because Grow's voice is not just for Lowell. In fact, on Instagram recently, I remember putting a post up, and I'll probably speak to this again. Grows voices anybody who learns about it that believes in it. Anybody can now take that and go buy the record for somebody that you think might be in line with it. You're going to literally make a difference. You're literally going to help our community. It will make a difference without a doubt. That's a fact. All because you just simply bought a record for something. You can go onto Spotify right now, go find Grow on Spotify and hit repeat. You will empower and give, again, the NAACP the tool take the action that they're going to take naturally. You're going to give them tools to do more things, to have more of an impact just by sitting there and hitting play on Spotify. That's what's so amazing about not grow anybody who's doing this. There's more people than Fort Lowell doing this. So anybody that sees anybody doing anything like this, a record that's in line with this and they're donating the profits to any organization, that's what's so cool about it is that it's now just this permanent tool that you can sit there and use the digital world to generate money 
to go to whatever organization that that particular record is in line with. To me, that's absolutely fascinating. Or you could buy the vinyl record and you have nice limited to a thousand pressing, you know, record that'll be collectible eventually here. But to me, that's what was powerful. And that's where I remember sharing that with Ms. Maxwell from the NAACP. From here forward, every year, she's going to get a check from me based on her streaming sales, just like any other artist gets from me. We do that with the Luz de Vida, the other compilation I mentioned. We've been doing that with an organization, Homicide Survivors in Tucson, Arizona. That's who oversees basically people that were affected by the shooting there in 2011. And so the same thing, we just, you send them a check every year based on digital streams that they get. And so the cool thing is that Grow now becomes a tool for anybody who says, anybody in any conversation anywhere in the world that says, I want to do something, that's it. That's all you have to do. Go play the record permanently. Every chance you can think of it, play it. You're doing something. You're actually doing a big thing. That's how simple it is. And that was what I recognized. That was why, that's why Grow had to happen because I realized this is now a tool for people that we all feel this way of what we can use to actually make a difference and do something. So you've certainly heard this one out in the world, out in the news, and it's a tired question, but it's an important question to ask considering our circumstances. What does the year 2020 look like to you? What's it like out there? I love 2020. I'm sure somebody out there, they just sort of did a double take. (laughs) I think it is a year of clarity. I really do. And I won't lie, I've been back and forth on this answer. My wife and I have talked about this for the last 10 months. I guess maybe we should be truthful with that and saying eight months because everything started kind of happening there in, in, in February, March, right? But the reality is that there was that moment that you're like, ah, this year, right? Well, now at this point, I got to share, I'm not aligned with people that say that, that say like, ah, this year, I wish it would just, I can't wait till next year. I No, not at all. I'm excited about this year. You know why? Because we're starting to see the truth in things. And it's getting light. And that's an important thing. I'm excited about this change. There's change coming. We all feel it. We all see it. I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm happy to do my part. That's what's exciting about it all. So we're out. We're supporting getting voters out. We're doing everything we can there. But yeah, so for me, like, that's what it's been about. And with the COVID and the pandemic and everything, I mean, this isn't going away. This is our life. There's going to be another one. This is my opinion. I'm living my life in my opinion. My wife's the only one affected by this. So I welcome anyone that disagrees, but that's, but the point of it is, is that I find this to be a year of clarity. It's very eye-opening. I think it's very exciting. We have a lot of work ahead of us without a doubt. So be it, that's life. We're not living life if we're not working, right? Could we zoom in on the word clarity for a moment, James? Clarity probably speaks to the racism factor, right? Where I think prior to 2020 and specifically Memorial Day, because again, kind of was really where the magnifying glass was kind of brought in, if you will. Prior to that, I mean, thought we were over racism, but it definitely wasn't such a problem where here in November, you kind of wonder, it's like, gosh, did we even make any progress anywhere? I mean, you'd like to believe we did. And I do believe we did. I do. I truthfully believe we have made progress year over year, but not to the extent I think we all thought. And that's the part that we had a lot of work to do. And so, all right, let's live life. Let's make this a great life together for everybody. We can certainly make this a little bit of a better place and we can make this fair for everybody. We got to work a little harder to keep it positive, a little more heavy on the positive side, right? But we're not going to get rid of the negative. It's an impossible task. It's not even something that's going to happen where people might say, well, maybe not my lifetime. Maybe it'll be in the next generation's lifetime. No, that's, that's just absolutely not realistic. And we have to be okay with that. But that means we have to work hard to support what we believe in. And if you believe in Black Lives Matter, if you believe in a just world, then you're going to do your part. You're going to do your thing. Maybe you're going to support growth. Maybe that's what you're interested in. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not interested in that. But if you, you're in line with the Black Lives Matter, you're going to do something. Maybe you're going to get out and protest. Maybe you're going to get out and help people vote. Maybe you're going to speak to that family member or that friend that you know that's on the edge. You've heard some racist things. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're going to be the guy that's going to start calling people out in conversations where you know you needed to have said something. Maybe it's in the work environment you're going to say something. You know you should have. Somebody made that offhanded joke. We're all laughing about it, but someone needs to call it out. Maybe that's your change, but that's just it. If you believe in Black Lives Matter, if you believe, not even just about the movement, say the words, do you believe that Black Lives Matter? If you do, then do something. It's just that simple. And so hopefully Grow gives people just that, something, something that they can do. Maybe that's all somebody's going to do. That's going to be something more than they would have done if we didn't do Grow. So hopefully this is what makes a difference for somebody. It seems you're hoping to have a similar effect to as what you experienced when you saw the video of the death of George Floyd. Not to say that you're trying to 
I guess, uh, bring out the same sensations of, of pain or, or, or anger over what happened. But instead, you're trying to take people who are on the fence, who are aware of what's happening, but aren't necessarily acting on their awareness. And you're trying to make them more cognizant of what's going on around them. And maybe even move them to do something. Not to say that their contribution to the NAACP wouldn't be enough in itself. If I'm successful just moving one person, every bit of this was worth it. All right, you're understanding what we're talking about when we say Black Lives Matter. Get it. If I can just change one person. I don't know if I'll ever learn who that one person is, but that's it. That's what all this is for, is just at least one. So, James, you've demonstrated one way that an individual can have a voice. You built your record label, Fort Lowell, and you've also brought together all the individuals and, and support staff needed to create the Grow album. But what about other people? How can they effectively have a voice? Your voice starts with your every day. I mean, what is it that you do? Do you play soccer, maybe, right? All right, so maybe the team then speaks out. You know, you get everyone to make sure the team were online, right? Maybe you use that as your platform to speak out. We are part of a book club. You suggest a book in. All right, we're going to read this book, you know, whatever it may be. I didn't have to look far, but I won't lie. I mean, it took a moment because I was even being naive to that. I was thinking too far out of the box, if you will. I wasn't realizing that my voice is literally just what am I doing every day? I make music every day. I promote music every day. You know, I, I get records out. That's what I do. So that's it. If you own a business, if you're a CEO of a company, well, you know what? That's your voice. <laughs> Find a way to use it. And if you feel like, oh, well, I don't want to jeopardize the reputation of my company or my book club or my soccer team or whatever, like, well, then you're part of the problem because that's the whole point. You have to be willing to put that reputation on the line. You mentioned soccer before, and that got me thinking of the basketball team, the Milwaukee Bucks, and how they refused to play one of their matches in protest for what was happening around the country in protest of police violence. That's exactly it. That's their voice. To answer that question, how does somebody find their voice? How does somebody figure out what they can do? It's not really, really complicated. Just look at how you live your life. What do you do? You're a person that just gets on chat rooms every day at night. Maybe you're a person that likes to stay home alone. You don't like to socialize personally with people. All right, well then there, find a voice within that. Find people that you can talk to. And, and what I mean by people to talk to are people that are not exactly in line with you. The idea of like, hey, you got to get this question out there. So that's my bet was in this, what I'm going to call indie rock community, because that's what I'm catering to. We're an indie rock record label. I put out indie rock records. That's what we do, right? And the bands on this label are all indie rock bands. It's really that simple. I know that not everybody in the indie rock community is in line with Black Lives Matter. I know there are racists within the indie rock community. So my bet is that one of those people are going to be a fan of one of these bands. And that's the guy I'm going to move the needle on. That's the person that I'm going to change because they're going to look at it and say, huh, all right, this artist is in line with this. I really like these guys. All right, maybe I'll listen to what this whole thing's about. Let me hear what they have to say. And it may be that they buy the record and they open it and they read the poem from the girl from dreams. Because man, I'm going to tell you what, everyone that reads that poem is going to start crying. <laughs> Or maybe it is that they read a little bit more about the third person project on the other side and they get a better understanding of the history of what's really happened here in Wilmington. And then they research that a little bit and they go watch the documentary Wilmington on Fire. Then they realize like why a community like Wilmington is so passionate behind a project like this and why people are so motivated to be a part of it because they realize we've got to rewrite our history in Wilmington. We've got to show that we're not what people know us for from the past. We're a community that cares about each other and that wants to grow forward. That's the name. Fantastic. Yeah, I think I see what you're doing here. It's kind of like creating a, a passive pressure, or at least an awareness, that your album, your label, has attached itself to Black Lives Matter and the NAACP. You've formed an alliance there. Now, you've talked about moving people in that direction, but are you at all concerned with some people being driven away from your album and from your label? No, I'm not concerned. <laughs> no, I'm not concerned at all. In fact, I would very comfortably ask them to please stop following us. And if, you, if you're not interested, I'm here just to give them a very specific perspective that I believe in. 
that I think is a great way of living life, right? 45 years old, this is the way I've always felt my whole life since I was a kid, all the way up through now. My wife and I both say this all the time. This view that's motivating us to do this project with Grow, this isn't like something new. This is just who we are as people. God, I hope somebody can align with it. And that is on the border, right? Or maybe they're not even on the border. Maybe they're all the way on the other side of it. There are many artists that I love their art that I do not align with them as people, right? And I think that's anyone who's a fan of any artist. I think they dug deep. They probably learned that, right? That's where people talk about separate the artist from the art always, right? You appreciate their art. You don't need to get into the personal side of things, right? But there are people that do. There are. And that's kind of, again, where I'm talking about. That's my bet is that there's going to be a fan who maybe buy the record and they don't even realize what it is all about, right? They just bought it because they loved one of the bands. That's their diehard fan. They want to collect it. Whatever the reason, I don't even care. But if you buy it, that's the beauty of it. At the end of the day, if you just bought it because it's music and you don't even know what the whole cause is, the great thing is we just enabled you to make a difference towards fighting racism. That's what we just did. That's the cool part of it is that you genuinely don't even need to know what the project is about. If you just like music and you buy it or listen to it or stream it, whatever, you're making a difference. That's what's so cool. If you do buy it, then you start to realize what's going on with the message behind it and what the purpose of the record is. That's my bet is that one of those fans, they're going to be the ones to turn the needle and go. I've been hearing about this, not just all year, but literally for years now. Now I see one of my favorite artists that I respect is behind this and we hope to provide that outlet for them to to learn more that'll have made it all worth it right yeah absolutely i'm absolutely passionate about this project and i can only hope that people can understand our interest of doing it we see our belief in this they can give us their support i don't think we're asking a lot the vinyl record again is limited to a thousand in pressing we're asking for a minimum donation of thirty dollars by wording it that way, that means you can give whatever you want. If you want to give $300 into this project, you could do that. We've made that possible for people. But the idea is basically, if you want to do something, give to this cause, gives you an outlet for that. We hope we can get the support. We can sell the records out. I'm going to keep selling it till they're all gone. It'd be great if they were all gone by the end of the year, by the holidays. So when's it releasing? When can people pick it up? They can get it at all the local record stores in Wilmington, Gravity, Modern Legend, Yellow Dog Disc, Record Bar. But in addition to that, and, and in addition to that, I will have this at every possible retail outlet. So vintage clothing stores, hair salons. I live downtown Wilmington. I'm going to walk the streets of downtown Wilmington. I'm going to attend every event I can attend for the next couple of months trying to get this out. Obviously, you're broadcasting to a listeners in the Triangle area. We're going to try to make our way up there to a couple of the record stores that way. I'd like to believe they'll be aligned with it. But at a minimum, you can just simply get online. You can go to the Fort Lowell Bandcamp. That's probably the easiest one to go to. So Fort Lowell, bandcamp.com. You'll see the Grow record. And right from there, you can order the vinyl records from three different outlets. Or if you're not interested in vinyl records, but you, again, you just want to make a donation. You're just excited about this. And you're like, hey, do it on Bandcamp. We've set up Bandcamp purposefully without any minimum requirement. And I did that by design because it's important to me that if you're a listener out there and you want to support this and you've only got five bucks to throw this way, do it. Go buy the record, put five bucks in there and you can get it. That I, I don't want there to be a limitation. The vinyl record, we're taking a minimum of 30 for it. It's an artifact. We have a goal that I want to raise $30,000 at least. So we're going to use that with a minimum donation. At the very least, if you just simply want to donate a dollar for that, go online, do it. It would be a very welcome dollar. And I hope you enjoy the music. So let's say that Grow has moved somebody's needle. What's next for them? Who can they get in touch with? Where should they go? What's next is that you take your own action now. Like, what can you do? And again, it could be so simple, but maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe it's that you're actually hitting the streets, you're doing something. Maybe you're joining a nonprofit and helping them. Maybe you're writing an article of your own point of view of what you can do. There's so many things, but just that, the idea of using your voice, it's just look within your daily life. What are you doing daily? James, thank you so much for coming on Eye of the Triangle. We really appreciated having you on air. I greatly appreciate the opportunity. We love all of you up there, all our friends, anyone listening. We appreciate every bit of support that anyone is willing to give. Just thank you. Thank you in advance. I'm Aaron Kling with WKNC 88.1 Zion the Triangle. And we just finished speaking with James Tritton, the creator of the Fort Lowell Records label, who is newly releasing Grow, an album in partnership with the NAACP and in support of Black Lives Matter. Thanks for coming out, everybody.
Appreciate hearing from you. I'm Aaron Kling with WKNC 88.1 Zion the Triangle. And today I'm speaking with Deborah Maxwell, president of the New Hanover County NAACP. Hello, Ms. Maxwell. Good to hear from you. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. How are you doing today? We're doing great. Just busy. It's early voting time. Yeah, I can't imagine how busy you are right now. How are you covering all that? We have a safe site that's dedicated within the county, and there are some others who are also participating, so people can have a safe and enjoyable voting experience. Born to have a safe voting experience, yeah, I understand that. How do you normally keep voting safe? Usually we collaborate with Democracy and C, but this year we are still doing that. We've had some people who are election protection people with them, but also having a site set up with personal protective equipment, also snacks, water in case there are lines, calling in if there are any problems. And we're also located at Wilma Daniels, which is named for an African-American businesswoman and entrepreneur. So it was only right that the NAACP would pick a site by her name to protect. That's wonderful. It really is. So, Ms. Maxwell, I called you on the air today to talk about James Tritton's album, Grow. But in addition to that, I also want to talk to you about allyship, especially in a time where it's so important for people to get involved and, and understand what their ability is, both as an individual and possibly as a member of a larger political body. Do you have any comments or thoughts on that? Allyship is so important. The collaboration, you're able to support each other in achieving a common goal, be it in policy or at local, state, or level. There's no organization can do it by itself, and NAACP doesn't try to. So it's an important component, very important. What does allyship look like? How does someone become an ally? In all different ways and shapes, like ones people generally think of with us are democracy and see League of Women Voters, because they've also been participant in voting rights cases that we've had against the state of North Carolina. And some are at a local level, like Cape Fear River Watch, because environmental climate justice, and people come forward and have the same shared beliefs and ideas, and you are supportive of each other in your individual fights that become your collective fight. Cape Fear River Watch is concerned with the environment, and so we are concerned also with the environment. So when they are not protesting CAFOs or Gen X in our water, we are also there with them. And so it's important to have that body of people with you. When we go against planning, because New Hanover has very little space left, <laughs> you will see us, the Sierra Club. I think people really realized that happened when we had the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington, the local event. And it was NAACP hosted. And people said, I didn't know all these organizations supported them locally. And I go, oh, oh, now they know. <laughs> it's reciprocal. It's sympathetic. It's very reciprocal, yes. Yeah. If you walk for the NAACP, then the NAACP will walk for you as well. Yes, we do, because we have similar fights and similar issues that we're occupied with. So we're supportive of each other. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there are so many adjacencies, especially politically? There are so many adjacencies because there are policies that are made by politicians, that are detrimental to the good of the citizens, to the good of the environment, and we just illuminate those things collectively. And until we have the good for the citizens, the good for the environment, the good for the children, we will collectively work together. And when that's done, we'll collectively try and make North Carolina even better. What needs improving right now? Education, the environment. Medicaid expansion. <laughs> That's a long one. Pretty heavy list. Yeah, it's a list. Continuous. So you'd say that it never really quite ends? It never ends because last year, who thought we would be fighting for COVID to end? So the list changes, but it's still continuous. What have you seen in the country lately? Too much discord, not enough harmony. Recently, 
people are so far from one side to the other when we need to all sit at the table together because we're all in this one country. And hopefully that'll change. It's going to take a while. People have shown their true colors in the past few years, how they really feel. So we know exactly how they are going to interact or not interact with us. And that's fine. How do you characterize that discord? A lot of it is based on some prejudicial thoughts. And some of it is just based on plain ignorance. And I say that because people are following people and they aren't using their own mind. And that's a deadly thing to not have, to follow your own mind. Do you think some level of isolation factors into that? It is because the rural areas are more receptive than urban areas of note lately. And so that lends into isolation because we know rural areas have very limited broadband, especially in, in this state, which was part of the issue with COVID. Is, is it just a matter of not seeing your neighbor? Not seeing your neighbor, not seeing that many African-Americans are truly trying to interact with people of other places. North Carolina is not the most diverse state, you know, in reality. So that doesn't help to be accepting of others or tolerant if you're only seeing primarily one group your whole life. Makes it a little hard. What are your thoughts on the GROW album? I'm loving it. I just wish I thought a GROW acronym before him. (laughs) (laughs) I said, oh, how did he think of that? Because I'm an acronym lover. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? I'm thankful that Mr. Tritton and everyone has been so supportive. It was a blessing that just came out of the sky. And he's had a track record of doing this. I don't know if you knew that he'd done something similar in Arizona. How would you put the funds to use? We have. (laughs) Always on the move. We have a scholarship program. We would like to improve the political climate here so it could be used to educate people, not for political gain, but when you educate people, they become more impacted because during COVID, we've got more people to be more involved in just watching city council and county commissioners. We also now, because of that, need more increased financial literacy for everyone. Remember, the state high schools just started last year offering that as a class for students. So they were graduating from high school with no financial literacy skills. And we have a summer camp called Sankofa that's free to all youth, offer them an alternative to the streets, and also educate them about the heritage of the African-American. The possibilities are endless. It will all be for the betterment of the citizens of New Hanover County. And we also have an AXO program, that's Afro-Cultural Technological Scientific Olympiad, which is a component of a national talent program for high school students. And this year they competed virtually, but usually we support transporting them, providing lodging and whatever provisions. And we've had three gold medalists on the national level. And so we have to pay for eight to nine children to travel. They've gone to Baltimore, San Antonio, Detroit. This summer would have been Boston. So that's no small feat with airfare. Luckily, and I don't think you know, the national next year will be in Charlotte. So we just have to get them on a bus next year. (laughs) So I wanted to also ask, how can people support their community? How can people support the movement? How can people get involved? What would you say to a person who's on the fence, not about everything that's happening, not about the need for eliminated police violence, the need for voters to know where they need to go and what they need to do? Voters need to vote first. And they've been doing it. Over 3 million people can't be wrong. That's over 50% of the voters in North Carolina as of today, I believe. But It takes more than your vote. It takes involvement in your community. Join a committee. Join a local city or county commission or committee. 
Go to your city council meetings. Go to your county commissioner meetings. You can join the NAACP or other organizations. But we're going to tell you that also. We have been pushing members to join, and I'm not going to tell you which committees they're on, but they are joining. And therefore, they're at the table for us. Because if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. That's why it's important for us to be there. Artists have done benefits or done things like Mr. Tritton is doing with his music. They have the ear of people in between their sets if they just say something that is slightly socially relevant. And so artists have done events for us. Let's say, I will not say events when we ask them to do an event. They say, oh, we'll play for you. And are like, okay, ready to pay. And that is how artists carry the song and carry the message all the way through. Look at Rianne Giddens, who's writing about 1898 to music. So therefore, she will be educating millions of people when that's through about the history of what happened in her state. For our listeners, here at I Am The Triangle, what did happen in 1898? On November the 10th, 1898, the standing government of the city of Wilmington was overthrown by a committee of white men because Blacks were in power. At that time, people were shot. People were killed on the streets. Property was stolen and taken. Unfortunately, some of the records were burned, so you don't know who lost what. And there's never been a true accounting of how many people died. Because just like now, before we had the slogan, Black Lives Matter, at that time, Black Lives did not matter because it was an overthrow. And it is the only recorded coup d'etat that has occurred on United States soil in this country since the creation of the United States of America. But it almost wasn't recorded. That's true. It almost was not. It would have been a hidden history. And there's so much of the history that we will never recapture because people of color were afraid to talk about it who survived and lived here. So a lot of that great oral history and information has gone with them, unfortunately. It's just a sliver of it that has been able to be grasped. And to that point, we are working as a community. Remember, I said it's collaboration and community with the Equal Justice Initiative on having a soil collection done in the spring, hopefully. The soil collection, is it being analyzed or is it, is it for posterity or, or what is it? Yes, we will go to different sites where we know or have supposition that someone died and they've done a lot of research. And at those sites, we will have descendants of people who lived in 1898 dig the soil, and there will be a jar with the name of those known who were lynched, and their names will be placed on it, and there will be one for collection here, and one will go back to the Equal Justice Initiative. It is for posterity. The main thing they're doing is trying to locate the definite sites where the loss of life occurred. And through this committee, they've located descendants also, which has been great. That much I do know they did. I have to ask, you mentioned the Black Lives Matter movement, and you mentioned in the past Black Lives Not Mattering. And do Black Lives Matter in this country? Not as much as they should, because that is reflective by the policies and politics of, of this country. That is why I'm a member of the Governor's Task Force on Racial Equity and Criminal Justice, one of the main systems that has purposely had programs that discriminated against people of color through the policies. The task force is looking at a number of areas of disparities within the criminal justice system, and that is parole, probation, court, uh, SROs, magistrates, um, requesting that people have more diversity training within the system, misdemeanors. There are a lot of ordinances in towns that are there that have been set up for no good. And it's a variety of areas. And we invite the public to tell us how they feel. There is a space for public comment about this. This is going to really change things if implemented. 
Black Lives Matter has surged and, and fallen back at times. Not to say that anybody has ever stopped taking to the streets or has ever stopped protesting, but its role in the public eye has changed over time. Alongside that, we occasionally see the phrase, all lives matter used. Did you talk about that? I think a lot of that is with people not knowing and being comfortable. It's okay for me, so why am I going to worry about them when we all should have equity? And that's what's so important. Exactly. Exactly. Again, it's, it's bringing attention to this disparity. That's the entire point of the movement. Black Lives Matter. Yeah, some people are upset by the fact that Black Lives Matter is used because they say all lives matter. And that is true, all lives matter. But until the dying of a black man is just mother's son, it's just as important as the dying of a white mother's son, Black Lives Matter. Until there's equity in the system, Black Lives Matter. There's a privilege that's given a lot of times to whites that is not given to blacks in this country. And that is why there is the equity difference. It's very important that people recognize that I'm speaking as a Black woman. We are not trying to say we're special by saying Black Lives Matter. People have to realize the hundreds of years of discriminatory acts that have occurred, redlining, segregation of schools, health care, and then to say that Black lives don't matter. You can look in COVID just really surfaced everything to show all the gross inequities that occurred to people of color in this country. And I think that made the Black Lives Matter impetus even propel more. A recent statistic said that one in 1,000 African-Americans in the United States have been killed by COVID. And that, that definitely highlights the disparity there, the difference there. I didn't know that number. And there are a lot of reasons to it. Blacks and Latinos are your primary essential workers who come in contact with people more than others. And then the risk factor of elderly, like in my 60s, but I'm out here every day right now because it's so important that people vote. And I realize it's a risk, but I just say my little prayer, take my little protection and head on out the door and maintain my distance. That's part of it, right? It's still getting out there, even if there is risk. Yes. It is, and I'm not the only one. There are a number of us, black and white, who believe that people need to get out. We're careful. We go out there. We go home, and we can't say we're just going to rest on the 4th because we, with so many absentees, the election is not over on the 4th. No, it absolutely won't be. And mail ends. I don't think it will be. It's going to be up in the air for a lot longer than it normally is. There's not going to be a hard decision like we normally have. Correct. 2020 is a very strange year for many reasons, and that's just going to be one of them. And it keeps getting stranger in the full moon on Halloween on Saturday. So watch out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, certainly. Certainly. The NAACP, from what you've described, also seems opposed to COVID. Seems a little too obvious, because I don't think anyone is in support of COVID. But can you describe that and and discuss a bit more of that? We're opposed to the delay that first came about in federal policy for COVID. I'm a retired public health social worker. I would have done better. Also, the fact that CDC was slightly dismissed and that has been uh, the place of authority for contagious diseases for this country for so many years from a public health standpoint. So we, there are a lot of things were done through the current administration that were wrong that exacerbated COVID instead of decreasing it. Then you're telling people you don't need a mask and people are just gladly going out without masks. If your governor tells people to wear a mask, people say he's wrong. But yet you see cases are rising again. They are. They certainly are. And the flu hasn't gone away. The flu is just as deadly as ever. Right. And so right now... Where I'm sitting, I have one month before hurricane season's in, so I'm sitting between cold, flu, and hurricane. Oh, it's a royal flush. Incredible. (laughs) Didn't think of it like that. So you really have to be precautionary and pay attention, people. 
Use your minds. Don't just be mindless and follow someone. How do you engage your mind in politics? And to continue with this, a lot of people might have the belief that their vote is a small thing. And sure, among a population of, of hundreds of millions, maybe a vote is a small thing. But how does a person leverage that? You leverage it by how we're hosting our safe site, hoping it will draw people who are like-minded. You leverage it by educating the public about policies and issues that will impact them, that you hope they will make them vote. That's why we always hold a candidate forum, which we do every year when there's an election going on. And that way the public is informed. Next year, I hope that we will make scorecards. I have a friend group that did that. Ask the candidates whether they're incumbent or not, certain questions that are specific to what your organization believes in, and then grade them based on what their response is on how they would do it. The Fedville PAC is doing that, police accountability. But they showed me theirs, and I said, oh, that's a great idea. And that's part of the advantage of allyship, the advantage of, of different organizations working together. You also get to swap facts, tricks, techniques. We had done scorecards on records of congressmen and senators at a national level that was shared with us. I haven't had one recently, but um, when you said Black Lives Matter, I knew I forgot one thing, if I may, because our city council voted to have a sign that said Black Lives Do Matter in Racism Now that took quite a while. Through a benefactor, we went and put up a sign that said Black Lives Matter in Wilmington because that's what the people wanted. Why was it being held up? One city councilman called African-Americans those people. That, that one again? All right. Yes, that was not nice of him, for one thing. And he was disagreement that it would be Black Lives Matter. One of the protesters, the protest group, wanted it on the street. And the city was like, no, it is not going on the street. They wanted it on 3rd Street or near the 1898 Memorial. So this was dragging on and dragging on. So we went ahead and put the sign up that said Black Lives Matter. And I think maybe six weeks later, the mural was up. But people wanted something then. They didn't want it later. And so both are still up. The mural will travel. And I think next week after the elections, our payment on the sign will end. Yeah, and it's going to stay up, right? For a while, we also have a Black Voters Matter sign. And there's another one by two young men, Reggie Schufer and Greg Lindquist, who don't even live here anymore. Reggie is the ED of the Pennsylvania ACLU, but he's a Womantonian. And Greg is an artist. And they purchased a billboard that said 1898.vote. 2020. Deborah, if I may ask, what are your hopes for 2021? My hopes for 2021 is that some of the negative policies and things that have happened will slowly be eradicated, that we will truly work towards reducing or eliminating COVID, and that kids will be back in school. And I'll be able to hug someone other than my immediate family that's around me been a long time already. It has. Went to two funerals and it was the worst thing. Some people say, never mind. This is things you just take for granted. Hopefully 2021 African-American churches will be open in full force. We're all in the planning process now. There's a lot of planning in the process of opening the churches back up. We are not rushing. We are taking our time. And when we get there, we'll be glad to be there. But there's no rush. You've mentioned hostile policy a few times. Anything that comes to mind in particular? Well, the lack of Medicaid expansion is a policy that should be in effect. And that is not. Over 500,000 North Carolinians need this policy. The fact that are not allowed to raise the wage to a living wage because the legislature said you shouldn't do it as a city is hostile. People need money. You see the growth in this state with all the retirees and others coming from other places with more income to purchase more for residents than we can. And then it displaces the locals out. Displaces. I mean, in some ways, pushed prices. 
Yes, sir. Gentrification at its finest. Yeah, exactly. We still have our family house, and I turned the corner, and there were three houses being redone from bottom up. So I know that the rent price is going up. I would just like everyone who lives in this state to care about this state and want the best for this state. And you do the best by voting, and you do the best by being involved and engaged in your community. Raise your voice. Might just be good enough. Yes, that would. Thank you so much for coming on the air, Deborah. Thank you for having me. I'm Aaron Kling with WKNC 88.1 Zion the Triangle. And today, I just finished speaking with the president of the New Hanover County NAACP, Deborah Maxwell. Good night, everybody.